0: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead Apatosaurus 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, John is here with me, and this week we're going all D20 style to bring you Dinosaur Planet Broncosaurus Rex, a game that sounds like it's about cowboys riding rad dinosaurs in space, and that is almost true. But as with all the best games of the great shit heap of System Mastery history, there's a twist to it. We'll talk about that and more on today's System Mastery. consistently nice to roblo. Roblo is a national treasure and a and a cherished spokesman of the American arts. Nah man, Roblo show up at a Mexican eating establishment and they're like, "Nah man. Nah, get out of here Roblo." And he's like, "I just want to order some food." I'm like, like, "Nah Roblo. Nah. I like his blog about loading equipment. Roblo's load blog." Yeah. Uh, uh All right. So, uh welcome to System Mastery. Hi John. Hi. And as always, this is a podcast where people send us in old games and we review them and sometimes we go and get them ourselves. Sometimes. Not every once in a while. It hasn't been a while the case in a long while now because people have just been so generous. But uh, today's today's game, uh, what do we call it again? What's the name of this bad boy? Dinosaur Planet Bronchosaurus Rex. That is a name. That is indeed a name. That, it is the name. <laughs> it's the name. The very name. ha <laughs> ha. What does that call up in your mind when you just hear Dinosaur Planet, Bronchosaurus Rex? Well, when you hear Dinosaur Planet, you're like, okay, probably doing some kind of, like, uh, Land of the Lost or crazy weird dino, like, Savage Land from Marvel. Like, one of those. Like, I assume it's, oh, you show up and there's a bunch of dinosaurs and you're probably British and you're trying to fight them. See, I don't get British, because I hear Broncosaurus Rex following that Oh, no, up. I'm saying just Dinosaur Planet. Oh, yeah. Okay, I hear yeah. just Dinosaur Planet. That's what I think. And then you hear Bron... <laughs> Broncosaurus Rex. Bro- Bronco. Broncosaurus Rex. Yeah. And you're like, alright, so it's, it's Cowboys, then. Yeah, it's Cowboys in space. You see, even with Dinosaur Planet, I don't get British anymore, because... Nowadays, all like uh, Jules Verne adaptations have The Rock in them, by like by, like by legal mandate. No, but there was, there was that BBC show where they were on Some Place with Dinosaurs, or they went back in time and there were dinosaurs. Uh, it was probably Except they those. had the budget for one dinosaur per season. Yeah, is that one of those shows that's made by like the same people that make Doctor Who, so everyone's a pasty Welshman? Oh, yeah. Because I don't give a shit. I, don't wa- I won't watch any of those. I don't care how gay the main character of Torchwood is. <laughs> it's extremely. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But you know what? He's going to talk in that Welsh accent, which is a recipe for sounding like a dumb idiot. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a very pansexual, I always say. Like, oh, shut up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How uh. many
0: marbles and or dicks and whelks do you have in your mouth? Whelks? Yeah, Welsh eat a lot of snails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... That's the common stereotype that I hear about the Welshman. It isn't? I always hear that they eat big bowls of whelks, which are sea snails. Whelks? And then they also have a lot of something called lava bread. Do they? Yeah, lava bread. I, I I assume it's some sort of thick brown cup. Tell me more about the magical land of the Welsh. <laughs> oh, the, oh, okay, so let me tell you all about Welshland, which <laughs> yeah. I, I assume it is called. Of course. I mean, rightfully. The Welsh come from Welshvania. <laughs> <laughs> They're from Welshingston. <laughs> ah, yes. Upon the vine. Welshington upon Avon. Yeah, that's where they're from. <laughs> God, I love how much we hate the British on this show. Well, I feel like in this case we're actually on most of the British's side, as all of them rightfully shun the Welsh. Yeah, I mean, you're sitting around and someone goes, who do I know that's Welsh? What, like Rob Brydon? Fuck that guy. There you go. Get him off all my quiz shows. <laughs> The only other thing I know about the Welsh is that they eat more sheep than anything else. Yeah, they do. They're just sitting there eating sheep. Every Welshman right now is just eating a sheep. <laughs> just chewing on it. Not even a dead sheep. It's <laughs> just... <laughs> 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 yeah, sh- shut up, you. <laughs> I'm going to get my gnaw on. <laughs> i got to eat this sheep a little. You don't need a good sheep like this all at once. <laughs> uh, good lord. Are we t- <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Broncosaurus <laughs> Rex. So it sounds like it's going to be a game about cowboy dinosaur riders in space. And you, I, you are immediately disabused of this the second you see the cover because the cover has a Confederate soldier riding a dinosaur and the actual letters for Dinosaur Planet, Bronchosaurus Rex, have the Union and the Confederate flags on either side of it. Yeah, that's right. The B and the X are a Union flag and a Confederate or flag of the Confederacy. I don't think that thing is actually officially the Confederate flag or whatever. I don't even want... Well, no, we even, I oh, mean, oh technically God. it was the uh the, flag for one of the... It's some battle flag. It's one of the battle flags. I think it was for Lee's... Yeah. Well, I don't know why we're having this argument, because all we're doing is hashing out the argument that weirdos on the internet use to justify covering themselves in that thing. So, anyway, it's the obvious Confederate flag. It's the one on the General Lee. Yeah, it's the one you know. Yeah. So, yeah, you get that, and you're like, okay, so we're doing some weird space civil war with dinosaurs? Alright, and you can still kind of get behind it at that point. You're like, that's fine. Like, maybe this is an alternate universe where the, uh, like the Confederacy and the Union were on a planet that evolved and dinosaurs didn't go extinct or something. Or, or yeah, like, it's a it's set in, like, 1860s, and it's still the, the Civil War, but everyone has dinosaurs. Yeah, when I saw that, I went, okay, I can also get behind that, that's fine. That'd be kind of neat. Like, instead of having the Monitor and the Merrimack, they had a battle on, like, sea dinosaurs. Yeah. That'd be kind of neat, like a plesiosaur, and the other ones have a mosasaur. That'd be kind of fun to watch. No, I would, again, I would be behind that, and you just get that from the cover. Yeah. He also, he has a lightsaber. Let's let's put that out there. It's a, it's a Confederate dandy riding a big Allosaurus or something with a lightsaber. And he's still dressed like a Confederate, like, like also, general. Also, this, this is a light actual saber. Yeah, it's saber, a light cavalry light. riding saber. Yeah. But it is still made of energy. He's still carrying around an energy sword. Which is weird because they wouldn't have access to that technology. But whatever, we'll get into that. Well, the whole thing with this book is up. So, all right, let's get right into this. The setting of this game is a planet called Cret- Cretanus? It's Cretaceous. Cretas- Cretasus, thank you. Because it's supposed to be Cretaceous, but it's Cretasus. It's Cretasus, and it's a planet the size of Jupiter yep. uh, that has 20 valleys on it. Yep. Uh, keep in mind that, it, that, it, that it, if you divided the surface of Jupiter up so that it had 20 big valleys on it, and then lived in one of them, that valley would still be hundreds of times the surface area of the Earth. Yes. So it's a really big planet. They don't they don't even make a mention of the pressure differential from living on a planet that big. They they just don't even bother. Nope. It's just completely Earth-like, but very large. Yeah, it's just a huge Earth. Don't worry about gravity or whatever. No, you see it's hollow on the inside. Also it's flat, and this <laughs> one actually does have reptoids. It's got reptoids inside <laughs> of the hollow earth covered in dinosaurs. Yeah. Denver airport. Google Ron Paul. <laughs> Uh chemtrails. So the year is twenty-two oh two. Yeah. Just very specific. It's a very specific year, and also this is very important because that is two hundred years from now. Yeah. And these people care way more about the Civil War than we do now. Oh yeah. No, there's okay. So the the entire thing was that the Civil War ended with nobody winning. Yeah, like the, the the big Sherman push into the South was repelled. Yes, and they don't describe how, and they just say, "Oh, the uh, the big push against uh, or Sherman's march was was rebuffed real early in the in the run, and they just stopped him." And it's like, well, how? He had a ridiculously huge army and superior numbers, and the South was tired and out of money and out of resources. No, no, they weren't. No, 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 no. They were. They were no, fine. That didn't happen. No, they were fine. The South was great. That's which is the general tone of this book. Yeah, you'll, you'll come to realize <laughs> that very quickly, cause reading the book, you're like, alright, so what's the setting? Alright, it's the future, and there's still a union and a confederacy, and they're out there doing stuff, and you're like, alright, okay, that's dumb, but alright. And then you read the history, and it's just, yeah, the South was just great, and yeah. the union were assholes. The union's a bunch of jerks. They, they, uh, they totally tried to take over the South and they failed. And then after they failed, they, there was still a war going on because they kept wanting the South's awesome stuff. And then General Lee was elected president and he freed the slaves in 1881 because he was nice. Yeah, because he thought e- that's a good thing to do and he just did it. He just did it. He was just like, hey, those slaves are free, you guys. <laughs> and it didn't totally collapse the economy of the South. <laughs> Which is amazing. This book's just like, yeah, I freed the slaves in 1881. Don't even worry about it. Uh, Lincoln was killed in 1862 by a righteous assassin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. It, it, the the whole thing where he frees the slaves and the economy of the South does not collapse as a result, which, when we forced them to do it, their economy collapsed. Yes. <laughs> That's what happens when you remove your workforce. Yeah. It's, oh, we have an entire economy based on free labor, <laughs> yeah. and then we took all of that labor away. And, and what happened? Did they, did they just give all the black people good jobs and houses and stuff? They're like, alright, you guys are free. Yep, there you go. Here's, did they give them their 40 acres and a mule? Or what happened? They just freed them. It doesn't even, the book doesn't even mention it. It's a one sentence line of President Lee. Yeah, it's, oh, and then President Lee, uh, freed the slaves because he thought it was the right thing to do. Moving on! Yeah. So that happens. And then there's about a 200 year, uh, sort of Cold War in the United States on Earth, and then they all develop, like, because of the Cold War, certain technologies advance faster than others. Like, the South manages to get to the moon first on a ship called the Dixie One. Yep. Which, by the way, let's go ahead and put that out there about this book. This guy only knows, like, five words that represent Southern pride from the Civil War. That's okay. So do most Southern people. So that's all he <laughs> uses. Like, I mean, the ship that lands there is called the Dixie One. The The big city on the new planet is called New Savannah. Oh yeah. Now the whole thing is just very much, look, I know the bare minimum about anything from the South, Yeah. even if I'm from the South, because all you need to know is that these colors don't run, except Th- when they do, yeah. to another planet. Oh my god, that is one of my favorite parts of the history. So the Cold War happens, and they there's a space race, and the South is the first to Mars, and the industrious, steam-belching racist union, which is the way that they are described in this book. Yep. Uh, they're all like too busy thinking about machines to ever be daring or, or, or uh, courageous. And they all live like bugs in tiny, in huge cities. Oh yeah, the, the whole thing is, this book paints the entire Union half of the United States, which actually, it never even tells you what got separated, because we hadn't really done all of the westward stuff yet. I know, that's speaking as a couple of Californians, which was technically a free state during the Civil War. Yeah, I'm like, well, what happened to that? Oh, don't worry about it. Someone got it. What happened to the rest of the world? Don't worry about it. Apparently, the South started expanding into Mexico and took over Central and, Cal- and South America. Well, no, they just had a uh, alliance. An alliance because the South are totally peaceful, and there is no precedence in our history of them going to war with Mexico. <laughs> that's amazing. <Ugh. laughs> anyway, uh, God, it's this book was written by just—I mean, it's just some Southern fetishist, right? I mean, that's what it is. It's some guy who had a big. Confederate flag on his computer, and that's that's the story of this guy. Yeah, no, he has a big rebel boner. Oh my gosh, and it just keeps going like that. He describes the South in one sentence in at the top of a paragraph. He describes the South as being aristocratic and paternalistic, and at the bottom of the same paragraph says that every member is a free citizen and equal in all ways. Yep. You can't have an aristocracy and be equal in all ways. Yeah, no, you get... The landed gentry who own plantations, because he really loves the idea of the southern plantation owner and that genteel gone with the wind type thing. Yeah, with the but red then mustache. But he also and... wants to say, oh yeah, but you know, if the, if the south had just stuck around, then they also would have freed everyone, and they would have been freer than, than we are now. Look, black people don't own plantations, but it's because they don't want to. <laughs> that's, uh... that's kind of the attitude you get out of this book. It's It's infuriating to read this thing, because it's so icky. Well, the thing is, it never mentions race in the book. Except for freeing the slaves. That's the last time. And the art just backs this up, because the art in this book, there are two people who did art for this book. One of them can only draw sexy Amazon, like, Conan babes uh, posing near, like, bloodthirsty comic book style dinosaurs. Oh yeah, It's, it's definitely, like, Red Sonia and Devil Dinosaur hanging out together. And the other one can only draw coloring book-grade pictures of dinosaurs with genteel southern gentlemen near them. Yes. That's all he can draw. Seersucker suits, Civil War Confederate hats, and, like, really technical drawings of (laughs) parocephalosauruses. That's all he can do. But pero whatever. The the one with the hornbill. Eh. So, uh... (laughs) Parasaurolophus? Whatever. I don't even care. Moving on. (laughs) The, uh, that's all he can draw, and he doesn't draw any black guys. No. So it's just a bunch of da- southern dandies hanging out near dinosaurs, is what the art in this book is. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and assume that when General Lee freed all the slaves, they went, alright, well we're leaving then. Except that it, there's a whole section in the book that's like, oh, all races and alien races are welcome amongst the South. There is not a hint of the racism of their past. Yeah. Uh. In fact, they are the only side that can get along with the space aliens, because the Union is too wrapped up in industry and being evil. Yeah, so that's going to be the main theme of... You have technically four factions, and the factions in this book are what your races are, as far as the D&D, this is a D20 property. So instead of being an elf or a dwarf, you can be Union or Confederate. There's also the Free Fleet and mm-hmm. offworlders. Let's go ahead and point out that the free fleet doesn't make any sense based on the way that he wrote this. The free fleet is there're actually six of them and they're giant fleets of city and 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 like uh world-sized ships that are just flying around through space looking at stuff. Well, the the big thing with them is the union eventually basically takes over all of earth. Yes. Uh which drives everyone who doesn't succumb to their nefarious need for democracy to <laughs> jump off world, which means the free fleet is everyone. You've got like the British and the Chinese and the French and all of your like various peoples from around the world who didn't want to go ahead and join the union went into space. Now they all get along together, but they also are written as basically like Roma gypsies in that. Yeah. Well, what do they do? Oh, they travel from place to place. They never want to stay in the same place at once. They're always making deals and buyer beware because if you make a deal with one of the free fleet, oh, they'll try and get you every time. Yeah. They'll also steal your baby. They're sneaky and untrustworthy. They'll put a curse on you and make <laughs> you thinner. You're like, oh, <laughs> god damn it. Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> they'll get in a boxing match to get their mom a better trailer. Yeah. No, this whole thing is just like, what the? F- Fuck! Why are but why whole, are you describing what is essentially every human that isn't an American on Earth going into space as? Oh no, they're all the same now. Well, because they didn't even bother statting them out or anything. The, the only time any other countries get mentioned is when uh, the Union and the civil the, the the Confederacy have their final big war, and the Confederacy. And I love this because it's described as the devilishly simple and clever plan of leaving. Yeah, they're like, well, I guess we're losing. We'll use our last ditch plan and run away like cowards. <laughs> We're devilishly clever. How clever of us. We left. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> retreating isn't devilishly clever. It's clever because you didn't get killed, but it's not devilishly clever. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the the devil is known for retreating. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but anyway, they, they just all fuck off the earth. They just leave. And then the Free Fleet also leaves right after that as the Union aggressively democratizes everything and is like hey everybody welcome to the greater co-prosperity sphere and it doesn't mention it by that name but it's like oh there was an agreement with the north america and a lot of the european people so it's basically like the, the union and nato get together <laughs> yeah and they decide to take over the world You're like fuck what is wrong with this guy? Right. Anyway, everyone else leaves on spaceships, which are described in this book as basically being, uh, like, steam-powered buses. It's like, oh yeah, space travel is terrible because no one ever invented digital technology in this world. No, we've all still got gears and levers and shenanigans like that. So it's all steamy and so on, except that someone invented lasers and spaceships. Well, the Union does. That's the, the big thing in this is, the Union is in their ivory tower, and they've got amazing colleges and industry, and so they have, like, actual what you would think of as future, future tech, and the Confederacy only has, like, some old spaceships that they got from when they were originally doing the space program, or ones they stole from the Union. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they have a couple of people who can build new spaceships for them and so on, but they don't care to because the Confederacy is described as being an agrarian civilization. Being, like, aggressively agrarian. Like, they will just completely ignore everything else and be like, no, farming. Farming forever. That's all we do. All we do is farming. We show up on a new planet, we just set up ranches and start farming. Yeah, so it means the uh, concept of it is the Confederacy is spread out over way more planets... And they've got way more colonies and so on because they started earlier and they're just doing like, yeah, we set up family farms and cities and whatnot and so we expand a lot faster because the Union is just only looking for planets that they can strip mine. Yeah. And that's all they do. And they're fucking assholes to aliens and if they find aliens, by God, they will... Get them into the Union they, or kill them. They use every word but slavery to describe what they do to the aliens. Yeah. They find, oh, we find alien civilizations and we aggressively induct them into our wonderful melting pot civilization where they have to live the way we do. <laughs> they like it, though, because they're inferior, those aliens. Oh, yeah, you can tell by those alien bumps on their head. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it, it describes them as having a melting pot that is a failure and that they're all racist and aggressive. When you choose to play as a Union person, it has a little blurb that says, people from the Union come in either underachievers or overachievers. Underachievers are lumpy, pasty, useless people who just get by by the flow. Overachievers want to be the Confederacy. Yep. (laughs) So, the, the you may be asking how they are actually colonizing other planets if they have spaceships that are just steam-powered garbage ships. Oh, and then also a bunch of city-sized ships for some reason, that they don't mention how that comes into fucking existence. But the way that they do it is they discovered these little, like, way stations between places in the galaxy that if you go through a warp gate, you'll end up somewhere. Yeah. And there's a few that they mention, they're like, oh, here's the closest one to Earth, so that's important. Here's the closest one to Cretaceous, so that's important. But then they mention ones like... Oh, there are some of the gates where you pop up and you aren't even in the galaxy anymore. You're somewhere in space. Yeah, they're called the incoate gates. Yeah. And there's there's 8 of them and they go to places that no one I don't even know why they bother telling you. This isn't a space travel game. This based on No, the, this isn't Traveller. Yeah, based on the contents of this book, you live on Cretaceous and you ride around on dinosaurs and then you fight the nothing because they didn't bother statting out any monsters or villains or anything. Well, you fight the dinosaurs you that fight, they bothered to stat out. You fight out fight the same dinosaurs. That's all you do. Uh, so I don't know why they got into such detail about where they all these special space gates and stuff, but whatever. So it's not like you can afford a spaceship or even be on one. No. And it's not like any of the classes that they give you matter for doing anything in space. No. Because I think two of them could do something outside of this planet. Yeah. The machinist and I guess maybe the, the soldier. soldier. Yeah, yeah. The ones that are from the union. But, uh, for the most part. There's these gates. The eight of them are very special for some reason because they go to horrifying places that don't make any sense. One of them goes someplace that's so far in the distance that you can't see any stars at all. Yeah, it's just black, and then one goes into a place where you see the stars, but none of them are the constellations that you could map from where we can see stars. And then the other six just go to crazy places that they didn't bother to mention. So, like, Dave and Buster's, one of them. (laughs) That's that's right. One shows up at a Chris Angel show. (laughs) You're going to get mind freaked if you go in there, though. Oh, man, you better be careful. You like your mind unfreaked, I assume. Most people do. (laughs) Would you like your mind freaked or unfreaked, sir? Ooh, I prefer just my mind on the side. Thank you. A A light freaking. I like a light freaking. I do. I like a light freaking as well. God, remember that, like the late 90s when freaking was a dance thing? Yeah, I do. God damn, that's that has fallen out of the lexicon, hasn't it? No yes, one's there... it has. That's why when I started talking about the light freaking, I was like, man, that's a thing that you might have mentioned years ago. Yeah, many years ago you were like, oh, a girl is rubbing her butt near me. I believe that is freaking. I believe the kids call this the freaking. I wonder if they still do. Is that still a thing? Is does, look, uh, attention, Kids. attention, young listeners. Attention, Devlin. Devlin, tell us. You know this is freaking still a thing that people do at your various homeschool proms and. <laughs> <laughs> yes, at your homeschool proms, is your sister freaking on you? <laughs> well, I'm sure he would hate it. Yes, <laughs> of course. But yeah, tell, tell us, young listeners, uh, Devlin and Rory, is Freaking still a thing, or are both of you raised in those places where you have to leave room for Jesus? Or or is it now Daggering? <laughs> it's Daggering? Yeah, Daggering is a dance move that is just sex. Oh, okay, I can see that. That makes sense. I can also see Jaggering, if you have to dance to that one song where you have the moves like Jagger. Yeah. Who, who, who was the guy who sang that song? Has he ever watched Mick Jagger dance? <laughs> Is he talking about a different Jagger? No, he watched uh, Jagger drunkenly sway around for a while, and he's like, yeah, I move like that. I can do that. That's Literally, he's just describing his inability to dance. Yes. He's like, look, I've seen dancing in the streets, and I can dance like dancing in the streets. <laughs> Poorly. Poorly. End with David Bowie. Aw. Aw, too soon. Aw. Alright, so anyway, uh, there are four races that you can play as in this game. We already talked about the Free Fleet, which are the thieving gypsies of space. Yeah. And they get a bonus to dexterity and a bonus to bluff or something like that. Well, they're all, yeah, so they, they all have to go into military service. Yeah. But their military service is based around being flexible and dexterous, so they get the plus one to dexterity. Yep. Then all of their stuff is like, you get, uh, like racial bonus to appraisal roles and, uh, trading and things like that. So they're all just space merchants. Yeah. Then you've got the Confederate. The Confederate gets the, uh, the bonus feet. Yeah, no bonus stat, just a bonus feet. They get so a bonus feet and Confederates are the humans of this well, game. Actually, Confederates and Union because Union gets the bonus four skill points. So they took away the bonus to, uh, so they took away the bonus stat from the Confederacy and left them with the feet. But they gave Union plus four skill points and a plus one intelligence. But anyway, the Confederates are described as, let's see, uh, impetuous, brave, reckless, headstrong, uh, just want to be left alone, but they're extremely daring and dashing. Yeah, it's, oh, they, they're going to be maybe a little gruff when you first meet them if they don't know who you are, but, Soon, if you know them, they will be as accommodating and lovely as you could ever want a human to be. Oh, so much sweet tea on the porch. That's how, th- that's what they are. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, they get the uh, bonus feat, and then they also get an heirloom weapon. Yeah, so they automatically start out with a master crafted uh, weapon of anything that is a tech level below five. Yeah. Which again implies that all members of the Confederacy are these genteel aristocrats sitting on a porch sipping ro- sipping rocking chair tea. Yep. That's, cause that's all he thinks of when he thinks of the South. Yeah. So it's not, it's not sharecroppers, it's not hardworking farmers or boot blacks or just the homeless people or, or just black people that lived in the South. No, it's all white guys with big red mustaches just kind of rocking back and forth. Yes. Hmm. Hot today. <laughs> it's good to own land. <laughs> yeah. That's all you get. So anyway, they all get an heirloom weapon, and the heirloom weapon descriptions are hilarious. It's all shit like General Lee's pistol. Oh my god! Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up now because you're mentioning it. But in one of the feats that you can get, it describes uh, if you get gentry as a uh, a Confederate person, then it says that your father owns a plantation and your mother is a distant cousin of General Lee. And it doesn't say, these are examples. That's what it says you are. I know. So literally everyone who has it has that. I don't think that's supposed to, I think it's supposed to be that they just use an example as an example, like a a potential example. They figured you'd figure it out. But the end result is still, yeah, I know you're related to General Lee, because this guy could only think of maybe two people in the Confederacy. Like, you know, you know what? I never read the words in this book was Jefferson Davis. Nope. Never. It's just General Lee. Uh, apparently this guy doesn't care for Jefferson Davis. Apparently not. Yeah, the first president of the Confederacy. I mean, I, I know that as a, a current American, we still fetishize the shit out of George Washington. Yes, we do. They still on our money and shit. And given that this game is like, oh yeah, 400 years after the Civil War, people are still super angry about it, you'd think they would still care. They're so angry about the Civil War that they all dress exactly the same and still carry around cavalry sabers and shit. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Anyway, moving on. The Confederates are just so annoying. Then the Union are described as lumpish idiots. Well, no, they're lumpish geniuses because they're the only ones who have a school system. And he basically takes the stereotype of a New Yorker and says everyone in the Union is that. So there's like, what are they? Oh, they're all rude and gruff and they just want you to get out of the way. And they want to go into their cave and mine. And wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) I hate half-orcs so much. So many beards. <laughs> no, God damn it. No, that Now it sounds like we're describing colonial Williamsburg, New York. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure that somewhere on Cretaceous there is New Williamsburg. Oh, my God. There's all these, like, union guys that are in there. Just like, get out of my way. I have to make craft beers. I have a plus two craft beer. <laughs> uh, yep. Get to the mason jar mines. <laughs> Oh, the Mason Jar Mines. We need more Barnwood so we can open up this microbrewery. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is that is the union. The union is very smart and super huge assholes, and it says even if they're being nice to you, they probably still don't like you. Yeah, and, and like I said, they're described as coming in two varieties, the underachievers, which are just sort of middlemen that no one will ever play, and the overachievers, which are people who are obsessed with freedom and living on their own and being headstrong. And oh shit, they're just the Confederacy again. Yeah. Uh So you get that <laughs> plus one uh, intelligence because they're the only ones who have any universities at all, apparently. They also get a special bonus that we will discuss later that is their ability to operate ironclads, which are big steam-powered power armor suits that only the Union has. Yep. So let's let's keep that in mind, that they get a special skill for driving ironclads that no one else can have. So that's the Confederacy, the Union, and we already talked about the Free Fleet. We have one more, the, which is the Off-Worlders. Mm-hmm. Off-Worlders are the people who have colonized, like, the reaches of the galaxy, and they're the ones who are like, oh, we took a Junker out into space, found a place where we could land, immediately disassembled it and used it for scrap metal, and we've been living on a planet by ourselves with, like, our family or maybe a group of families. For some generations, which means they are crazy inbred. Yeah, they're crazy inbred. They're kind of dumb. They're literally the half orcs of the game. Yeah, they get a plus to strength and constitution and a minus to charisma and intelligence. intelligence. Yeah, so they are, they literally just stole half orc stats for these guys. Yep. So if you're an offworlder, you're just a half orc. Your name is probably John Boy. Yep. And you hate everything and everyone and it's, a goddamn miracle that you're even in this game. And it says in there, like, oh, yeah, if you're an Offworlder and you're an adventurer, it's probably because someone came by your planet and you decided to leave with them because there's no way you managed to get off by yourself. Well, the funny thing is, Cretaceous is so fucking big there's no reason you couldn't have Offworlders all over it. It's too big. Jupiter is enormous. I feel like this guy didn't know that. No. Well, he just went, what's a big planet? Jupiter's a big planet. I'll say Jupiter. Yeah. Don't do that. You can land on one side of Jupiter and never make it to the other side by driving. It, the rest of your life. You could just drive and you'd still be on Jupiter. And then one valley. Yeah. It just it, It's ridiculous. So there's no reason that off-rollers can't just be scattered all over Cretaceous because they just landed somewhere else. Yeah. All right, let's talk a bit about the meat and potatoes of this. We've just discussed the four races. Now there are about six classes, I want to say. Yeah, and these are the only things you can be. None of the standard fantasy classes are going to be in there. I mean, obviously, you're not gonna have spellcasters, like, you're not gonna have a wizard or a cleric or anything like that, but they also just say, no, you can't be a fighter because we have a soldier. I don't see why not. I'm pretty sure Braxton Bragg was a shaman. I mean, whatever. Oh, no. Right? However, there are raptor shamans. There are raptor fucking shamans, that's true. All, all they can do is, like, make acid. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, velociraptors are intelligent in this game, but, uh, <laughs> but they can only get to level five and you can't play as them, so don't worry about it. Don't worry. Okay. There's even a sidebar where they mention that they know that Velociraptors aren't Velociraptors. That they are just using Jurassic Park Velociraptors. And for a game that's this obsessive about statting out actual dinosaurs, the fact that they didn't take that extra step and say, no, you're playing as di- or you're running Deinonychus, and the Velociraptors are turkey-sized versions of that. <laughs> they should have just gone with it, but they didn't. They, they kowtowed to Jurassic Park. Yep. It's just, this is what the people know when they hear Velociraptor, this is what they think of, so we're going to give them that. Fine, but here's a sidebar complaining about it. (laughs) Here's a sidebar where I acknowledge that this is dumb and do nothing about it. Right. So, okay, the classes. Uh, So you start with the easiest thing to do is your soldier, Mm -hmm. which is your standard fighter. It's got standard fighter progression, so you get your base attack bonus the same way. And a couple of bonus feats. Instead of getting a bonus feat every other level like a fighter, though, you get a few bonus feats from from about level 1 to level 7, and then you're done. Well, yeah, because... Each bonus feat that you get while you're progressing comes from a list, and by the time you hit your last bonus feat, that's the last one. You're just going to get those bonus feats, and that's it. Oh, well, you get them in the same order. Like, you get sense vulnerability at level 2, and you get something else at level 5, and then level 7, and then you're done. And all the class does from level 7 to 20 is geometric progression of numbers. Yeah, you just get better at hitting guys. And if it feels like that's stupid, it is. And if you feel like that would make it a bad choice for the game, it's not, because they're all like that. Yeah, the, I think the only one that isn't is the Two-Fister. The, the Two-Fister is a fighter, but it's a fighter monk because you are all based around unarmed damage. And the only reason you would be him from level 1 to 20 is your unarmed damage die increases. So you get your base attack bonus up And I think even they don't get the full fighter one. I think they just get... They get that monk base attack bonus progression. It's yeah, You get the rogue base attack bonus if you're doing weapons. And then you get the fighter base attack bonus if you're doing fists. That's so insultingly stupid. But the problem is, it gets up to, I think at level 17 or something, you get d20 as your damage die. Yeah. But at that point, it means... You're punching people and it does more than like a laser gun? Well, maybe it does. Well, d20 for damage is ludicrously swingy. Oh yeah, cause you're either like, oh man, I punched a guy and it did 45 damage, or I punched a guy and it did 5 damage. Okay, yeah, that's, great. It really, anytime you see that, and that happened to the third edition monk as well, so you could eventually get that d20 hit die, or damage die. Why isn't that a 3d6? Yeah, well, because fuck you, that's why. I, whatever. Okay, so the two fisters are basically the punch monks of this game, and they are described as being rootin' tootin' Cowboyish types who just want to fight and brawl. Yeah. And these are generally what you're going to see from fighters that are either off-worlders or free fleet. Yeah. Because those are the ones who are like, ah, oh, we run around and bare-knuckle box people because we still wanted to go ahead and give that image to you. Right. Then you've got the spy. Yep. The spy who is your sort of rogue, it's but is the rogue. only class I like. Yeah. Because it is, it has the one ability that I love which is that you have to make a will save as someone who wants to fight the uh, spy because they're so intriguing. They get intriguing as an ability, and it goes up uh, as you get open levels. It'll give you more uses per day. But if because you're so intriguing, if someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill you, you can be like, but do you really want to? And they're like, oh, I can't stay mad at you. Go, go on. Get out of here, you scamp. <laughs> I like that. You just Howard Stark at them a little bit. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Oh, so, you're, you're a Northerner. I'm going to kill you in an act of Southern aggression. And he's like, or would you like to come over and swim in my pool? And they're <laughs> like, ah, oh, I would like to swim in your pool. Oh, pool sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the spy has, your standard sort of rogue evasion abilities... It's got the same skill package, because the way rogues worked in 3rd edition was just pick these skills. Yeah, and they get the, like, use mechanical device, which is this game's version of the use magic device. Yeah, they also get a a, a a bonus AC against ranged attacks called bullet dodging, but amazingly it only works a certain number of times a day, so after you dodge, like, your third bullet a day, or apply an AC bonus towards your third bullet a day, whether or not it hits you, it stops working... Yeah. And then you get one where you can ask people questions without sounding like you're asking people questions. Which again, rad power that they have to make a will save to not just immediately answer the question you didn't ask. And it's, it's that whole, uh, oh yeah, I'm here to see the general, uh. Sherman? Yeah, that's the one. It's that, it's that power. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is fun. No, it's, it's it's a cool power. I don't know that it necessarily needs to be a power, but it is, it is a cool one. Yeah. Because you can just get information from people and it's neat. Yeah. I mean, the problem is that it's a perfect one of the. It, it's a slightly RP-ish power, which means that bad DMs are going to use it badly. No, well, it it suffers from the same thing of any time you make something someone could have done into a codified power, it means if you don't have that power, you can no longer do it. Yeah, it means you can no longer pull the trick that I that we just did in speech, uh, unless you're a spy. Yes, only spies can do that. Anyway, uh, after that, you've got the. Wild one, yeah. Your wild one is your sort of barbarian. They've gone completely native, or there are three stages of how native they have gone. Now it only matters in terms of Cretaceous because it's how like dino native they have gone. Yeah, so they're like, they're basically a Cretaceous only class because at level like level one of the three different levels of how native you have gone is level one is okay. You still can talk to people, you're fine, but you have a kinship with the dinosaurs. Level two is you're more comfortable with dinosaurs than you are with people. You're sort of hard to understand and you're probably kind of stinky. And then at level three, it's you run around naked. You don't even remember how to speak English anymore. You just talk dinosaur. Maybe you know a few grunts in someone else's language. But mostly, you're more dinosaur than man. Now they get dinosaur animal companions. They have a progressively worse charisma around humans as they gain levels. Yes, uh, and they get bonuses to a couple of skills. Specifically, some of the skills that they can take work differently when they use them. So, like for example, a uh, a wild one using medicine does not require tools. They can just do use the land. Yeah, and they have a a very large bonus to say. The, uh, animal handling. handling and things like that. Yeah. But it always says, oh, they don't try and like force an animal to do it or anything. They'll just talk to them and convince them to do something. Which is probably a good time for us to bring up the Bronco Rider. Oh, the Bronco Rider. So Bronco Rider is probably the core class of this game and they are a mounted combat specialized class that gets bonuses to animal handling and mounted combat, uh, uh feats because they ride dinosaurs. Yeah, so this is the cover of the book. This is what you came here to do. It is a dude riding a dinosaur into combat. So, there's a there's a lot to unpack with this. Well, I want to start with a couple of key points. Every dinosaur in the book has instructions about whether or not you can ride them. Uh, Every dinosaur in the book also has an intelligence value because they decided to make... I don't know why they did this. They decided to make the dinosaurs largely semi or fully sapient. Oh, yeah. Well, it... (sighs) The numbers that they give are, even at the low end, it's like, oh, the dumbest of dinosaurs still has an intelligence of, like, three. Yeah, it's the Stegosaurus has a one. But even then, those are averages. Those are the average intelligence of dinosaur species. So, for example, the average intelligence of a T-Rex is an 11. Yeah, no, it goes up to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, your raptors have an average intelligence of, like, 14. Yeah, which means that there are way smarter raptors, there are way dumber raptors. But raptors, at least, thank God, cannot be ridden or trained. They can only be bargained with. But your T-Rexes and your uh, your Triceratops, which are both in the 8 to 12 range, can be tamed and ridden. Yes. They are human-level intelligence. They have language and families. And and they actually have uh, political structures and all this stuff. And, and here's the Confederacy, which has long since abolished slavery. Oh, because yes. Because it was the right thing to do. Forcing now, these animals to serve as farm animals and mounts. Yep, they have gone ahead and taken creatures with human levels of intelligence. They have brought them from where they were, uh, taken them out of their families. Yep. Yeah. And uh, they mostly are doing their farming for them yep. as beasts of burden. Yep. And yeah, they don't really have any rights, but by God, they'll give them three squares a day and take care of them. Except for the house dinosaurs. You see, the house dinosaurs have it better <laughs> it's, than the field dinosaurs. But there's no more evil creature than a house dinosaur. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> it sounds like we're describing the Flintstones right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the dinosaur lawnmower out in the yard, that's one of the good dinosaurs. But you get that house dinosaur, that, that one that's the garbage disposal? Oh, that's a mean cuss. <laughs> so, okay... I, I don't I don't know why they made them sapient. It was completely unnecessary to do that. I mean, and it turns the Confederacy that he, that he finds so lofty and important right back into slavers. Yep. And the weird thing for me is he didn't even need to do that. Like, when he's describing the planet, Cretaceous has all of these different valleys. And each valley has its own thing. You're in the main valley, which is where all the dinos are. But some of the other ones, he mentions that there are rumors of, like, intelligent lizard people and so you can have like sleestacks stacks and whatnot oh yeah and also there's one basically he says there's 20 of them and the, and the way to think of it is a couple of them have weird shit like one of them is all spider webs and one of them is all alien like like reptile men uh but then he's like look for most of these valleys it, it's full of some time period of, of earth history so there's one that's an ice age valley well yeah we there's, have there's a mammoth valley right next to the main valley yeah And then there's one that's the Cretaceous instead of the Jurassic. And so, although, honestly, the main valley is just every dinosaur. Oh, yeah. The main valley is all the dinosaurs. Yeah. And I love that he says that the Mammoth Valley is, oh, it's right next to the main valley. Except, again, size-wise, it doesn't matter how close it is. It's really big. And if the mountain ranges are any, I mean, unless the mountain ranges are tiny. We're talking some pretty damn impassable mountain ranges. Imagine a mountain range that separates something a hundred times the size of Earth from something else a hundred times the size of Earth. Yay. That's it. That, there you go. And it's, and it's a, separating the whole thing. Yeah, that's that's the mountain range between them. I, I don't I, I feel like it probably does not even tip the, the tops of the mountains aren't even in the atmosphere. <laughs> oh good lord. Okay, so so you have all of these uh different valleys, and you didn't need to make it so that dinosaurs were intelligent because you had somewhere you could go. Oh yeah, the main valley, dinosaurs are just dinosaurs, they're maybe if you wanted to say like, the raptors are, they can use doors, we're going to go ahead and do the Jurassic Park levels of intelligence. Well, he gave Ornitholestes a, uh, a an opposable thumb for some reason, which I thought was interesting. But anyway, yeah. You but could, then you could say, there's these other valleys that are like, yeah, no, there are straight up raptor shaman there. And they oh yeah, perform rituals, and you, there's the slee stacks, and whatever. You gotta go to Smart Dinosaur Valley, but there they are. But he didn't do that. Instead, it's like, look, Stegosaurus, they're stupid, but they spend a lot of time gossiping. And they're they're uh they have a strong family bond, and they spend most of their time eating, but hanging out with each other. And they work together as a family unit. And they they elect a lead to stegosaurus to or stegosaurus to run their their uh, affairs. Let's let's enslave them and make them pull plows. Oh yeah, well it talks about the T Rex, and they're like, oh yeah, this is the most sought after of the mounts that you could possibly get for the prestige, and everyone wants it. And then it goes into their system, and it's like. Yeah, they're generally fairly solitary, except for their family. They have extreme familial bonds, and if they mate for life, if anything happens to their mate, they'll never mate again. And there are wars that have raged for generations because of a slight from one family of T-Rexes to another family of T-Rexes, because... That's what they do. And then they're like, oh yeah, but I just stole one and I ride him around. Also, their hides are worth a lot, so you know. Oh, every dinosaur has a section of so parts if list. I, if I just take this guy and break him into his component parts, what can I sell it for? Yeah. Keep in mind, they're all intelligent. But oh there's, yeah. There's a whole thing. It's like, oh yeah, this is what their butt is worth. And if, here's- I, if I take an intelligence 12 creature and I just rip its skin off and take its teeth out... What can I sell that for? (laughs) Holy shit, what the fuck? Are you a necromancer? Get out of here. Why did you do that? Why did you make them smart? (laughs) It was just cruelty. Oh, yeah. Like, I know he wanted to do it so that you could have things like, oh, yeah, you can go native and run around and talk to the dinosaurs and the dinosaurs are complex and whatever. But he also wanted to have dino riders. Yeah. But there's like, it's like a Moby Dick thing. So you can be like, oh, that's the same T-Rex. Uh, I mean, right down to the point where when you're reading the di- well, you know what? We got to finish the rate the classes. Yeah. So bronco riders can ride dinosaurs. You All don't right. get to, you don't get to start with one. No. Uh, and you don't you're not very good at riding them. And learning and, and training them to ride them is a difficulty check. You make a handle animal check to get that uh, to get to ride them. And the difficulty check is pretty goddamn crazy. Like to ride a T Rex, it's like a DC thirty eight to forty two check. Yeah, depending on how intelligent and how aggressive the dinosaur is, it will be harder to. Uh, train, and some of them you just can't. Yeah. Uh, some of them are stupid to try and ride, like like a Stegosaurus. It's too stupid to ride, and it's covered with armor plates anyway. Yeah. The Ankylosaurus, they're like, you could it's, probably try to, but it's dumb. Why it's, would you do this? It would be really uncomfortable. Yeah. The, uh, the, co- the uh, one, All of the crocodile the ones, which were just like, no, you literally can't. There's no DC. If you try and ride one, maybe it works for a day, and then they get hungry and eat you. Yeah. Some of them are too small. Some of them can't carry enough weight. Uh, I, I liked the the Pachycephalosaurus the, the the head dinosaur the the bonkhead yeah. dinosaur which has a um the a, a problem where it, it, there's a DC jack to stay on when it tries to headbutt stuff ha, ha. So anyway it, I mean, this is kind of neat the idea of riding dinosaurs around and statting them out by how hard they'd be to ride uh, except that they're way too hard to ride. So you have to be a high level dino rider to get an interesting dinosaur, and by then you're mostly done with the game anyway because again, just like with a soldier, you tap out in this class at level 8. At level 8, the only thing that happens for the next 12 levels of dino rider is your numbers go up a little bit at a time. Yep. You'll get some better saves, a better base attack bonus, and a bonus to handle animal, which is the only thing that matters. Yeah, and you'll get, you know, your standard feat every 3 levels like you normally would, but the class isn't giving you anything. There's one more class to talk about and that is the machinist yep the machinist is not quite union only really is it it? it's allowed in the free fleet and it's allowed in the confederacy it says that the uh the off-worlders are far too primitive to use one yeah so you mostly see them in the union though because it's engineers that can actually do cool future tech stuff that's their deal in exchange for a d4 hit die yeah because they're the wizards Because they can actually create shit like laser guns. In terms of looking at their level up chart, it is the most boring one in the book because there are literally no written down things that they get that's new at any given level. They get a customization per level bonus, which is a uh, basically a one per level plus your intelligence modifier collection of pluses that you can apply to a, a spread of custom weapons. So for example, at level one, if you have a 17 intelligence then you have a plus three from your intelligence bonus, and then you add the one to get plus four uh, from your level. That's where the one comes from. That means you can have a plus four sword, or, or, or it's got to be a modern weapon. You can have a plus four rifle to hit, not to damage. It's not a standard magic plus four weapon. It has plus four to hit. If you want it to be plus to damage, you have to put some of the pluses into that instead. So you can have like a plus two plus two. Yeah. Uh... When you get more levels, every time you gain a level, you just get another customization point. You can put it in the same weapon or a new one. You can't have more weapons than your intelligence modifier. And there are other things you can buy with equivalent amounts of points. So, for example, you can spend two customization level point whatever's to increase your crit range by one. Yeah, well, you can also do things like... Make something 50% lighter, or make it have a range that's farther, or whatever. Increase so the you, area of effect. Yeah, you have little tweaks you can do outside of just plus to hit and plus to damage. Though I kept looking at them going, I, I'd probably just do plus to hit it's, and plus to damage, because be why wouldn't hit. you? Because they have the mage base attack progression. And because this is a game without magic, you're never going to find, oh, this is a plus three laser rifle. No, j- you just have a laser rifle. Well, you'll find masterwork ones. They'll be like, from General Sherman... Or General Lee or something, because apparently that shit survived for 450 years. Which, by the way, Lee himself didn't survive as long as this book purports. They have him free the slaves in 1881. He died... I guess they might have thought that in the real world he died heroically in battle or something. He died in 1870 of a stroke. Yep. Well, that didn't happen. You see, the stroke only happened because of northern aggression. (laughs) So mad about the north (laughs) that a stroke took him out. Yeah. Uh, So, you also, in addition to being able to dick around with weapons, you can have weird gadgets. That's your other thing. And you can maintain a number of gadgets that do stupid stuff. Note that this entirely is subject... Like, 100%. There are no rules for gadgets. It's all subject to DM discretion. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no... Like, outside of the weapons, there's no, like, gadgetry listing. It's not like, oh... There's a little bit. There's some robots and stuff in the very back. Well, it's still just combat things. It's like, yeah. oh, what is this? This is a powered exoskeleton. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, like, there is a... Uh, there's a section on how they can build robots, and there are two examples. One of them is a robot that's a little flying bomber that can drop bombs. Which, again, yeah, that is totally... <laughs> yeah, and you name yeah. it the Midnight Bomber. <laughs> well, it can drop bombs, but it keeps on forgetting about spaghetti. <laughs> Oh, it can drop bombs, but only over Baghdad. (laughs) Nice. Okay, no, uh, and and then there's another one called the Spibot, or Spybot, or something, which is just a little spider robot that can map terrain. Great. So it was like, okay, there are a couple. A very, oh, also there is a sensor device that you can carry around in one hand that can sense dinosaur eggs. (laughs) Because again, not dinosaurs, just dinosaur eggs. Yeah, it, say, it literally says it has a sensor in it that picks up the locations of embryonic materials. Good. Yeah, whatever. And I suppose the readout is a whirring gear with a light on it because because no one invented digital stuff. Ah, sigh. <laughs> so yeah, that's that is your classes, that's your races, and we got to talk about the dinosaurs. We got a few minutes left here. We got because the dinosaurs in this book are they get d- descriptions like monster manual. Except that it's so funny because they keep describing them based around the law-chaos axis. Oh yeah, it's like, oh, well, you see, this dinosaur tends to be more chaotic than lawful, and they don't like structure to the... I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I think it's especially funny because they they put in... Because it's a game about riding dinosaurs, they needed to put in a lot of rideable dinosaurs, which means that there are several types of theropods, or, you know, basically the two-legged... T-Rexity dinosaurs. Yeah. So you got your T-Rex, which is described as a mean but noble old monster, and then you've got one that is straight up the evil version of a T-Rex. Yeah. The, the Saratoris or something like that. I forget the name of it. But yeah, it's got little horns. It's like the devil T-Rex. Yeah, it's the and, devil dinosaur. And, and it's an evil T-Rex. It spends most of its time waiting by roads to ambush people, and it's just... It's like, what's this? Well, <laughs> it waits by roads with a little mask on and a, and a highwayman's gun, yeah. and it's like, ha-ha, I got you. Your money or your, mo- your meat. Actually I'll just take your meat. And then there's a good guy T Rex, the Allosaurus, which is described in this book in a hilarious way as, as feeling guilty that it has to be a predator. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It is the Eeyore of Carnivores. Yeah, the Allosaurus has been turned into this thing where it's like, Well, I have to eat meat. I guess that means I have to kill people, but I don't I don't like that I kill people. I'm a I'm a self hating carnivore. Yeah. <laughs> you can just see him kinda like Smashing his foot into the dirt and being like, "Oh shucks. Uh, I'm real sorry. I gotta eat you, mister. I'm lawful. (laughs) Like, literally, they are lawful. And then the intelligent two dinosaurs, the only two that aren't tameable, even though all of them are intelligent, all of them have multiple languages they can speak. Yep. There are two of them, the Protoceratops, which is, to me, is the biggest evidence that this guy has read the uh, Dinotopia stuff. Because the Protoceratops is kind of the main character dinosaur in those books, and it's a smart little dinosaur that walks around the humans and explains all about dinosaur culture. So the Protoceratops is basically a Triceratops that's way smaller and doesn't have any horns. Great. That's what they are. But they have big eyes, so they're very easy to sort of anthropomorphize. Yes. So you look at them and you're like, Oh, he's cute, he's probably really smart. So in this book, they are. They're like the bards of dinosaurs. (laughs) And you can't tame them or ride them. You can just reason with them. Some of them even speak English. And then Uh. the Velociraptor... Which is, has like shamans and- It has and, three classes, and they so put, you have a warrior a and tech, a shaman and their- Tactician. Tactician. Yeah. And they have like clothes on and stuff. Yeah. Oh, and then there's also, cause I really know we got, we gotta get to the end where we talk about what we liked and didn't like. But we mentioned in the very beginning that in the art of this book, there's a lot of pictures of bubicle, like, like, barbarian ladies posing with like bone masks on and crazy hooked daggers and shit like that it doesn't make any sense in this game which actively tells you that you should probably get a firearm because no one uses old fashioned weapons anymore but then there's every picture is of like a woman wearing like nipple armor posing near like a T-Rex it's finally you get to the end of the book and there's a sidebar that explains that where it's like uh yeah there's also amazons that live on Cretaceous and they're humans that live with dinosaurs and they're all warrior superwomen and don't and they're, they 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 sometimes raid settlements. Yeah, and uh, we only put this in the book because it was too late to change the art out, so yeah. here's a sidebar. The artist gave us all these boobical ladies and we couldn't tell him not to, so... Uh, Alright. That was the contract, so <laughs> I guess there's some dinozonians or whatever we're going to call them. Also, the one source of power for the Union, their ironclad robots, their, or power suits, are not statted out in the book. Yeah, you do get stats for power armor generically, which is an alien tech thing which no one in the game can use because it's above their tech level. <laughs> well, you can still use it, you no. just won't be able to get it. No, you you cannot use items above your tech level. And the uh, One of the feats you can take, the feat Gearhead, increases the tech level of things you are capable of using by two. And the highest tech level starting in the game is, I think, a nine, which is what happens if you take a Union Machinist with the Gearhead feed, because they can use seven, and then they get a plus one from being a Machinist, and then they get a plus two from the Gearhead, so I guess that's actually ten, which is the highest tech level in the game you can use. Power Armor is a (laughs) twelve. See, that's weird. I thought Power Armor was lower, because there are... All right, let's just break that down for tech levels real quick. Five is modern-day tech. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ten and above is supposed to be... Super crazy, theoretical alien technology, and this is shit like uh, teleportation and crap like that. So, the fact that a suit of power armor, which fucking we can make powered exoskeletons, is tech level 12, which puts it on par with, like, shooting antimatter at people. I assume the Ironclad is not that high of a tech level because usually the human versions of alien technology get a lowered tech level. Well, yeah. The Ironclad is essentially the steam-powered exosuit. Uh, yeah. And doing anything requires a DC check, so if you run or oh, you try do- to walk over terrain that's difficult... You might just fall on your bottom like a Yankee. And if you do fail it, then you fall, and the hardest check you can make in an Ironclad is to get up from falling. Yep. So it's super easy for most things. Like, oh, I want to run. All right, running is DC5. Not difficult. Uh Getting over terrain, depending on how difficult it is, will be like a 10 or a 15. Yeah. And trying to use your dex bonus for dodge in combat. You roll at the beginning. If you get it, then you can use your dex bonus and so on. But... If you fail any of that, you fall down, and getting up from falling down in an ironclad is like DC-30. Yeah, it's very hard to do. Great. Anyway, it's it's just uh, daring you to fail. But that's the only stats we know about ironclads. We don't know how many, like, hit points or armor class or any of that shit. All we know is that they're hard to drive. Yep. Yep, because they're like, we'll cover that in the next book. Yes. Surely you will want the next book. (laughs) All right. There's even aliens that they mention it from time to time. Oh, yeah. And then they don't bother statting out or anything. No, it's just... Oh, don't worry. We'll get to that in the Cretaceous Sourcebook too. I wonder if they did. You know, our our standard no research policy forbids us from seeing Oh how my gosh, there works. were so many things in this that I wanted to look up and didn't just to stick to policy. Yeah. Just to be just to play by the rules. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we should get to our favorites and least favorites. John. Yes. What is your favorite thing about Dinosaur Planet Bronchosaurus Rex? Okay, I'm going to go with the spy. It's the only class that they put in there that has anything interesting going for it. Every other class either just tops out after like six or seven levels or just is boring in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get anything cool for a system that doesn't have uh, like magic or anything like that. You generally want to rely on either special powers or uh, like tech. Yeah. So the machinist is interesting in that you actually get to play with the tech system, but the, uh, spy is the only one that gets powers that are fun. Yeah. Everyone else is like, what do you have? Well, I can shoot a guy. Oh, I can punch a guy. Okay, well, what do you get, spy? Well, I can also shoot or punch a guy, but I just get weird things that don't exist in any other game. Yeah. Like, none of the other D&D games have this. Yeah, fair enough. So that was that was the one good thing when I was reading through this. I went, oh, that's a neat idea. Of course, for, you know, uh, the whole concept of having spies seems kind of weird to me. Yeah, well, the whole idea of it being like, yeah, we send Union spies out to, I don't know, see what aliens are up to. I'm like, but no, you're Union. It means you just go and walk up to them and brutishly and horribly enslave them. Well, notably, there's even a uh, feat in this game called Turncoat which is you are capable of pretending to be Union or Confederate. Oh, yeah, you can pretend to be anything that you aren't. Yeah, but it, it describes it as being you can pretend to be Union or Confederate, and you're a slimy, horrible, unctuous asshole. Yay. <laughs> okay, whatever. Anyway, uh so there you go. Your favorite's my spy. favorite. What is your favorite thing in here? Uh, I'm going to say the crazy shit where they give the dinosaurs, like, alignments, and <laughs> that they act like they're alignments. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying it's funny. No, it's... If it wasn't for the Gestalt of this game, that would have been a neat thing. Yeah, I thought that was kind of hilarious. And you know, if it wasn't, if that existed outside of the whole Confederate Union nonsense that that drives this thing, it would be really fun to go to Dinosaur Planet and interact with the dinosaurs that have all these cool cultural things. Yes, instead of enslaving them, <laughs> you know, instead of that, instead of that. Okay, so I'd say I like that a lot. I thought it was kind of neat their descriptions of the dinosaurs, the little tweaks they made to them based on historical mistakes of archaeology, or paleontology, excuse me, where, like, they were saying, oh, yeah, the hornbill dinosaur can breathe out of that thing like a snorkel. No, they can't. That's not what the fucking horn does. But that is something that people thought the horn did 100 years ago, so it's kind of funny to just go, oh, yeah, that is accurate, sure. Uh, Same thing with giving ornitholestes an opposable thumb and just all that kind of fun stuff. I thought was kind of neat. Their, Their treatment of the dinosaurs independent of what they are used for in the game, is kind of cool. Yeah. All right. What would you say is your least favorite thing? All right. Take so, it. By all means, take it. All right. It's the feats. Yeah? I'm going to go ahead and... Oh, have that. I'm going to leave you yeah. with the shenanigans of this, but I'm going to go ahead and talk to you real quick about the feats in this game. Oh, my God. Now obviously it's not gonna have any of the like meta magic or things like that but it says you can pick any of the feats that would normally work and because people still do use fucking like cavalry sabers and shit, all of those melee and ranged feats are still gonna work mm-hmm. however, they have new feats all of these new feats are, Sort of garbage, and I hate them, but there are ones in particular that I really hate, and those are the three that exist for Confederate only. There are none for any of the other three races only. No, there is no Union-only feat. There is no, like, Free Fleet only. I assume they were holding those back for Special the source The Union book. Source book. Probably, right? But no... The three things you can get as Confederate only are rebel yell. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. Rebel yell. You can yell and it kind of scares people. That's that's a famous historical thing. The the, the rebels were supposed to have a famous terrifying yell. Okay, great. Yeah, All right. Sure. What else do we have here? Well, you get the gentry feat that I had mentioned earlier. All right. It's good to have land. Yeah. I guess I am part of the weird Southern aristocracy that doesn't exist because everyone is free and equal, but sure. Yeah. And then they get Great Lover. Yep. Great Lover is Confederate only, and you get a bonus to dealing with the opposite sex because you got a big swangin' dick. And that's it. That's it. (laughs) Confederates are the only people that can please someone in bed because the Confederates know how to fuck. I hate you, book. I hate you so much. And, and I am also going to jump onto this one and hate them specifically because it only works on members of the opposite sex. Yep. And just like everything in these old books where it's like, oh, you have seduction for members of the opposite sex. Ah. <laughs> you, you could just cut that sentence out and it would still be functional for any way people needed it to be functional. Yeah. If you're like, no, my guy is 100% only hetero. He only tries to seduce people of the opposite sex. Then your bonus to seduction still fucking works the exact same way. Just don't even worry about it. I, I. But instead, they have to put in opposite sex, which means I can't play a Truman Capote. Nope, you cannot. Well, fuck you, game. <laughs> so yeah, the and then there's the other feat that I want to mention is the uh the first one that it gives you, which is a feat that does nothing and is up to the GM discretion. And if you get this feat, it says that you almost always find yourself at some point in favorable terrain. So you're behind cover and your opponent's art or you're next to the exit or whatever. But it doesn't have a rule for how that happens. It's just, oh, the GM just kind of lets you, I don't know, be in an advantageous place. And eventually the bad guys will realize you're doing it and then they'll counter it. Yeah, it's the worst feat I've ever seen because it's like, What did you do? Well, I spent a feat on maybe the GM lets me get to cover. A lot of the feats seem like they're just requirements in order to play the class you're playing. Like, there are no less than, I'd say, two or three feats that are just increasing your handle animal bonus with dinosaurs, which you absolutely need in order to hit those ridiculously high DCs to get a dino mount. Yeah. So, you know, if you're one of the couple classes that does something with dinosaurs, you just have to pick up all of the animal handling feats. Yeah. So, yeah, the feat system is garbage. So there we go. That was my least favorite. The feats that they added into this book are fucking terrible. There you go. Jeff. Historical revisionism. Yay! Let's just, we can go ahead and have one last little conversation about that before the end of the day. Uh, honestly, this, this book, I, I have no problem with alternate history stories, but this one's written in kind of a weirdly vindictive way. Yeah, no, it, I'm, I'm fine if they wanted to say, okay, uh, the South and the North, they didn't actually have a clear winner. They stayed separate, and they evolved in different ways. And even if they said, "Oh yes," eventually, because of like pressure from their neighbors or the global community, uh, slavery was abolished. But they still have this very structured class system there. I'd be like, "Okay, that makes sense." But instead, sure. what they did was they followed. There's uh, there's some history notes about General Robert Lee that say that he wrote a couple of letters where he was critical of slavery. And he's considered to be one of the forefronts of the lost causes beliefs in, in the Civil War, where they weren't going to war over slavery, and he didn't really believe in it. And he wrote a couple of letters where he was like, look, I, I, I feel like the black people, eventually we should probably free them. I mean, they're better here, better off here than they are in Africa, by God. Like, he actually said that. Uh. Um, but uh, But we're just teaching them how to be people. And eventually, once they're people, we don't need to keep them as slaves anymore. I don't know how long that's going to be, but by providence, we'll find out someday. That's like one of his famous letters. Thing is, he didn't act like that. He didn't act like the letters. He didn't stop his, his uh, troops from capturing free men and enslaving them. Yeah. He, he uh, happily, uh, gleefully, uh, endorsed the idea of conscripting slaves into being soldiers for his army because he, had, he didn't have enough fodder. He was not a good person to slaves in real life. He had a couple of very high-minded letters, and that was it. Oh, yeah. So, that's where they were basing that on. But they were like, oh, yeah, he becomes the president instead of dying of a stroke. frees the slaves because it's the right thing to do. Anyway, let's not forget, it. let's not worry about slaves anymore. That's not why I jack off about the Confederacy. Yeah, no. That's not why I had states' rights tattooed on my dick. Yeah. So, the, the historical revision in this book is, is dumb. I mean, imagine doing this same book from any other army's perspective. Like, oh, in the deep future, the Nazis don't hate the Jews anymore. They just have cool uniforms and ride dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, no. See, later the Fuhrer was someone else, and they were like, look, we need to stop all this killing of people. That's wrong. When Hitler died, Goebbels took over, and he was like, look, guys, let's just be nice to the Jews. In fact, Jews are welcome to join us in our society. Let's go to space and ride dinosaurs.
1: (laughs) We're Uh, so good at
0: sex, you guys. We're the best at sex. Oh, yeah. Nazi only feet Fucking real good Yeah That's that's the, the equivalent Of what you're seeing In this book So would you play this game? No There you go I, I don't I mean of all the The D20 games That are out there And by god There are so many Yeah I could Play any number That also have Dinosaurs in them as well And are Just terrible Yeah No that's absolutely true Yeah so For you play the game um, I'm just gonna say no I mean why would I even why am I even entertaining that thought this is this is not well written the classes are super boring it, it did the thing and I, if the historical revisionism wasn't so obvious the other thing I would have said sucks about this game is it's one of those d20 games where they just take the holy trinity of fighting and controlling and healing and, and tanking and healing and just strips healing out and it's like whatever it doesn't matter yep that's fine we don't we don't need that It's just an engine piece we don't need no one likes playing a healer so hey no healer how's that Hey. And then they don't offer anything in, re- in exchange. The, the healing isn't any faster. So your character's just gonna die. Oh, yeah. You just have your healing skill checks like you have in the normal game. But that's yeah. just, I'm gonna stabilize you and we're done. Someone's gonna shoot you with one of the guns in this game that all do like 8d10. And have like a 17 to 20 crit range at x3. And you're just gonna die. Cause there's no, all the armor. There's no armor. There's a couple of force fields. And there's archaic armor, but it's all worn by like space pirates. Yeah, no, you can run around in dino hide armor and get like plus three to your AC. Yeah. But again, not a magic system, which means your base attack bonus from anyone is going to outstrip your armor that you're getting real quick. Real fast. And so eventually you're just going to get shot and die. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's just (laughs) not, it's just not going to be a fun game. Not fun for anybody. Nope. So there you go. Could we turn this game into a better game? Nope. We could write a different game that's better than this Completely game. Completely different game. Yeah, you'd have to. I, I Based on what we were talking about during the podcast, I'd say Truman Capote Interstellar Spy. Yeah, there I, we go. I'd play that. And he's got a dinosaur buddy. Yeah. Oh, dude. Truman Capote Interstellar Spy and his Comsognathus companion, Chester. It's happening. That's that's the game that you should play instead. Figure out how to play that. He's hanging out with a three-foot-long turkey dinosaur that wants to eat him and has poison spit named Chester. <laughs> Uh, you know that's a lot like our relationship. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I don't remember which one of us has poison spit, though. Uh, it's probably me because I'm a three foot long turkey (laughs) dog. But still, (laughs) turkey dog. Ah, 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 I get it. I'm uh, a tiny girl. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. This has been the System Mastery Podcast. As always, if you have a podcast or podcast you want to listen to... you have to a podcast to, that you want to listen to that isn't ours, by all means, do listen it. to it. And if you want us to listen to one, you can try, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, if you have a book you'd like us to read for our podcast, you can send books or recommendations for books to SystemMastery at gmail.com, or let us know at SystemMastery at Twitter or Facebook. Our, our website itself is at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Come on by, uh, comment on the forums, get in big arguments with us, we'll totally do it. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we, we love to hear about what thing you think we are dumb about. That is true. That's our favorite thing to read. So, uh, by all means, send in your recommendations, your questions for afterthoughts, your suggestions for Movie Mastery. Support us on the Patreon. As always, when you support us on the Patreon at any level, you get our bonus content episodes. Which, we're going to go record one right now. And I don't even want to make a character for this game. I don't care. (laughs) But I'm going to do it, and it's going to be fucking amazing. Yep. It's going to be the best, just you wait. The best possible character from this piece of shit. Yay. There you go. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and have a wonderful week.